Amen. Well, let's get started. And, and so one thing I want to do uh, as part of a teaching ministry, uh, we teach. And when we teach, sometimes we use examples or something like that. It may be misconstrued or we may make up all out, make a mistake. And so last week I said something that I want to go back and fix. All right. Uh, I wanted to bring some clarification to some things. So, because uh, I never want to leave anything open, especially if it's regarding to sin or the interpretation that would encourage anybody to live an unholy or unrighteous lifestyle, right? So I want to expand on an example. Last week uh, when I was teaching uh, about labeling people who were making progress toward holiness, I use a reference uh, reducing about somebody having sex five times and then they reduced it to three times. In using that example, I was not indicating that we should clap for people in their unholiness. That is not what uh, I was doing because any sex outside of marriage is sin and should not be celebrated because it contradicts the word of God. However, the standard is always the word of God and not people, societal norms or church tradition. All sin should be eliminated in our lives even if it is reduced sin to sin until it's no longer practiced. So the thing I wanted to do last week was that I wanted us to understand that as people begin to move towards holiness, as people move towards manifestation of total deliverance, that we create atmospheres that are not atmospheres of condemnation, where people are being condemned for not being perfect. But we want to have atmospheres, environments that encourage spiritual freedom and deliverance. Holiness is always the standard for every believer. All right, go ahead and say that. Say holiness is the standard for the believer. Complete deliverance is what God has provided and is what is what is expected from all believers, uh, including ourselves. Everybody is expected that we live to the holy standard. So complete deliverance is what God has provided and is what's expected. He has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome sin. So once again, I don't want to leave it out there. And I know many people wouldn't take it that way, but I don't want to ever teach something or say something or use an example that will leave it out there where people may think that it's okay to do this. That is not the intent, my intent. So I just wanted to clean that up so that we understand that holiness is the standard for believers, that we will have an we will create environments that encourage people to pursue spiritual freedom and deliverance. And we will not uh, encourage condemnation for people that do not look like the standard of holiness as of yet. All right. So amen. We can say amen to that. All right. So the purpose of this series is help us to understand that managing our mindset is very important. God speaks several, about managing your mind several times in his word. He tells us to meditate on his word. He tells us to study to show ourselves approved. He tells us to renew our mind. He tells us to take on this mind that was in Christ Jesus. He tells us all these things because he understands that in our mind is the battleground which things are, are, are won. And so for us to experience the best, the plans that God has for us, there are some things that we have to do in our mind to experience those things. And a lot of times in our minds, we are deceived. And because of that deceit uh, that, that occurs, then we end up forfeiting our management positions. We end up forfeiting our authority and we end up uh, accepting something that God didn't intend for us to accept. And if you accept accept. And if we're not careful about it, we will be accepting silver when God wanted us to have gold. We'll be accepting gold when God desired for us to have platinum. And so the enemy's desire is for us to always be willing to accept something less than what God really wants to give us. And so what we got to understand that when we take on the mind of Christ and we understand how God thinks, we will ne never settle for anything less than what the Father has to give us. And so I'm not going to take the time tonight to go review everything that we've gone through, uh, but I will go through a couple things. All right. Number one, you know, the thought process, you receive a thought, you analyze the thought, you accept or reject the thought, and then you replace or replay the thought. So if I get a thought, any type of thought, I receive it, I analyze it. Is this golly? Is it not golly? If it's not golly, I reject it and I replace it with something from the word of God. And if it is a godly thought, then I accept that thought and I replace or I rehearse or I meditate on that until it becomes the thing that I act out in my life. And so we talked about that in the first uh, message that we talked uh, 
more in debt. All right. And so that was the thought process. And then last week, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the Holy Spirit and the growth mindset. Right. To manage your mind, you must have a growth mindset. We talked about the fixed mindset, which was really rigid, and the growth mindset. And so the growth mindset has the ability to persevere in the face of difficulty. The growth mindset enables the Holy Spirit to work. And that was really the key for last week. The growth mindset says that I am going to give Holy Spirit access. I am going to enable the Holy Spirit to work because the Holy Spirit enables me to think rightly. Go ahead and tell your neighbor this. Say, I can think like Christ. I can't think like Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been given to me and he enables me to think just like God. But if I don't think that I, that's possible, then in that fixed mindset, you always think, well, if I can do it, it won't, can't be done. If this is too hard, I can't. it can't be done. But in the growth mindset, you give the Holy Spirit way to be to do what he's specialized to do, to put his super on top of our natural, giving us the ability to do what we couldn't do before. And so the Holy Spirit is our enabler. He gives us the ability to think just like God, because we got to understand that God died while we were sinners. He loved us at our worst, right? So if God died while we were sinners and he loved us at our worst, we too have the ability to love every person that we encounter. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. The same way God was able to love everybody so much, even though he saw all of their sin from the beginning through eternity and still chose to die, even that's the way he saw them. And so we too have the, the same ability to think just like Christ. Why is that needed? That is needed so that we don't throw people away. That is needed so that we can dig for gold. While our family members may still be at the end of a crack pipe, we can see what Christ saw in them when he hung on the cross and died for them. And we can see just like he saw and we can speak the thing that he speaks concerning them. We can dig for the gold that you are a born again believer. You are set free and delivered. You are a king. I'm a child of the most high God. You live and you will not die. You will declare the works of the Lord. That's what you're going to do. But if you don't have a growth mindset, if you don't enable Holy Spirit to operate in your life and to think to fix how you think, then you see people for just what they are in whatever condition they in, and you're not willing to dig for gold. Because you got to understand when you dig for gold, no person goes and finds gold and it's on the surface. Gold is deep in the earth. Or go you got to dig for it. You got to look for it. You got to refine it. You got to filter through the rocks. You got to dig through the mud and the dirt. And at the end of it, you get something that doesn't look very go good. It has to be refined. It has to be, heat has to be applied. And when you finish, it comes out something looking good. But if we don't have the mind of Christ, we leave souls on the table because we refuse to dig for the gold. And I just declare that I won't be a person that refuses to dig for gold. I will dig for gold. I will see the value that Christ saw in man so much so that he was willing to die for them. I will also see that in other people. And I'll be willing to pray for them. I'll be willing to sacrifice for them. I'll be willing to buy them lunch. I will be willing to give them a hug. I will be willing because the Holy Spirit has enabled me to think just like God thinks. All right. And then the other part of managing our mindset, we said that we got to embrace challenges. All right. God didn't promise that we won't have challenges, but he did promise that he's already overcome them. All right. And those who had a growth mindset, they accepted criticism, constructive criticism. They accepted feedback. They accepted rebuke. They, they understood that that was needed so that I may grow up. All right. You run over the John 15. It tells you, right? We are pruned so that we can bear much more fruit, all right? So pruning, criticism isn't something that's bad. Your pastor telling you that this isn't the right thing to do. That isn't, I know your pastor may be younger than you. Your pastor may be older than you. The prophet may be younger than you. The prophet may be older than you. Apostle may be younger. Apostle may be older. You may have a, a degree in seminary. Baby, none of that matters if this is where you've called yourself to be. And so when Pastor Edwin and Pastor Shun speaks, then we listen. 
we understand that the same word they gave us, see that same word they gave us when they showed up at the hospital or they sent the word and we were healed from cancer or they sent the word and our kids now are obedient or they sent the word and now our marriage is healed. We got to receive that same, uh, with that same tenacity, the word when they say it's time to grow up, the word when they say it's the time to do this in the next six months, the word that says that this is your year to overflow. We got to receive with the same type of enthusiasm, words of correction, because as, as Trina has said, we are pruned to prosper. But a sign of that you reject criticism is just a sign of immaturity. And we got to be open to learn. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is always teaching. Holy Spirit is always teaching. He is always teaching. So we got to have a willingness to learn. And then the other thing that we talked about is that uh, we, we must understand that you, we are always evolving. Each choice we make now is based on how we see ourselves in the future. Every day you make a choice. And the choice that you're making right now is based on how you perceive yourself in the future. See, I don't take, I don't do drugs today because I don't see myself as a drug addict. So the image, and that's why the management of your mindset is so important. The way I see myself today, and I mean the way I see myself in the future determines the decisions I make today. That's why people who go to the gym, they 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 are persistent. And I got a, a brother, Jimmy Beasley. Y'all know be easy. Jimmy is up going to the gym because in his future, he has seen a body that's healthy, that's whole, that's complete, right? Say it with all the training. He's doing that. It's healthy, whole, complete. So he makes decisions now based off the future that he sees for himself. And so many of us, if you look at today's actions, they're an indication of how, how you see yourself in the future. You, you, you broke in the future, so you spend everything you got right now because you don't think anything going to change. You don't have a degree in the future, so you don't even pursue trying to go to college because you ain't ever seen yourself graduating. There are so many things you forfeit because you don't see yourself that way in the future. And so what we got to do is control that part, all right? And so I, I know I ended last week and I told you, I was like, hey, we're going to talk about the three daily choices you must make to manage your mind. Well, before we get to that, I want to I hang out in Colossians 3 for a little while, all right, before we get to those three things. But we got to understand that I have to see myself, right? They tell you a goal. What is a goal? To, when we see a goal in life, it's a future. When we set a goal in life, we're establishing something, right? That's specific, is measurable, right? We're establishing something that's going to begin to cause us to make a decision. Those decisions cut off other things. When, when, when I made a decision to do, let's say when I made a decision to be married, then making a decision to be married and happily, let me rephrase that. When I made a decision to be happily married, when I made a decision to be fully committed, it cut off all other options that will cause me to be divorced. So I'm not out here spending all our money uh, because why? It doesn't line up with having a successful marriage. I'm not out here spending nights somewhere else outside of my bed beside my wife. Why? Because it doesn't line up with me having a, a good marriage. I'm not out doing all these other things instead of spending time with my kids because it doesn't line up with me being a good father. When you set a goal, it give, it causes you to make a decision. But when you don't have a managed mindset, there's no goals, there's no future. Therefore, you do whatever you feel like doing in that moment because there's nothing to restrain you. And for many of us, if we're honest, being like God is not our goal. We wanted somebody to save us, but we don't want to be, we, we wanted uh, eternal salvation, but we don't want sanctification. We, we want it to be rescued, but we don't want to change. And, and so we reel with ourselves it's like, Holy Spirit, yeah, I, I came to you because I fear going to hell, but, but I know you want more than that. I, I want more than that. And you got to be true with God to let him know who you are. You're not my goal, God. And if you just, you're not my goal. Nothing in my life looks like you, but we'll get to that in a second, all right? So the pathway to managing our mindset starts with an understanding of our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
the pathway to managing our mindset, it starts with an understanding of our relationship with Jesus Christ. God's thoughts are the most powerful and bring and brings the op, and brings optimal results. There is no other thought that's more powerful than the thought that God gives you. There is no other thought that will bring the better results from your life than the word that you get from God. His thoughts have re think about this. God's thoughts have reached all the way into eternity and then came all the way back to creation. And now they're showing up in the present in your life in the form of the Holy Spirit. His thoughts have seen every possible outcome, every possible option. They've been through the pandemic. They've been through the recession. They went through black, the plague. They went through every mishap and barrier and then adjusted themselves to the designated de the design designation or destination that God wanted you to be in. In other words, God's word has gone through eternity. And you know, like the other day we went to Dallas and, and, and we were downtown and, and I missed a turn. And so my GPS did what? It recalibrated me to get me back. Well, God's word has gone through eternity. It has looked at every detour. It has looked at every pitfall. It has looked at every road closure. It has recalibrated itself to get you to the destination. And so if you just follow the word that God has given you, you will always end up in the plan and the place that he has called you to be in. Why? Because there is no thought more powerful than the thought that the Holy Ghost presents to you. There is no thought more optimal than the thought that the Holy Ghost presents to you. So we have to understand that his word knows all, has seen all, and is the final thing that we must uh, commit to. So once the goal was achieved in eternity, so God achieved this through his word, through his word, through his word. And then Holy Ghost, and see, we talk about a cloud server, right? Where the Holy Spirit was the first cloud server. It had everything that heaven has downloaded into the Holy Spirit and then is now living on inside of us, giving us the ability to know everything that's going on in heaven. Holy Spirit was the first cloud server for all my tech people out there. Holy Spirit did it first. He was the first person to have the essence of heaven downloaded into, into him and then put in and downloaded into our hearts so that we may have access to the knowledge of God. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are things God has revealed to us by who? Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit has all your answers. That's why we must enable him. He's not going to come in and fight you about making your life better. He's not going to come in and fight you about making the right decision. He's not going to yell and fuss and cuss and do all those things that are with you. He's just going to speak to you about, hey, Courtney, you know that that ain't what you need to do. Uh, uh, hey, Brenda, you know, I, I don't think that job's the right job. I know it pays you everything you ever desire. I know it's in the field that you want. I know that it all looks like it's going to be great, but I am telling you that that job doesn't get you to the uh, optimal place that God has called you to be. And so at that moment, we got to make a decision. Why? Because Holy Spirit has already gone into all eternity, has already gone back to the creation, and now is speaking to us in the present. He has all the solutions. But if we don't listen to him, we don't manage our mindset, and we don't allow Holy enable uh, Holy Spirit to do his job, what we do is end up causing ourselves to experience disaster in a place that should have been success. And then we blame God for it. All right, but let's get to the meat of the message tonight. Colossians 3, let's start at verse 1. You are, in fact, raised together with Christ. Now, ponder with persuasion the consequences of your co-inclusion with him in him. All right, action verb, relocate yourself mentally. That's your job. Then he says, Engage your thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand. 
verse 2, becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again. Uh-oh, whoa. How do, I, how do I avoid distractions? I become affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts. And I love the diagram that Pastor Edwin gives. He's done this for decades, all right? And here's the, here's the example. I'm going to give it to you. You guys, we roll with it, all right? So I'm going to I'm going to ask you to count to ten, all right? In a second, I'm going to ask you to count to ten, and then in your head, count to ten. And while you're counting the ten in your head, I'm going to say say your name, all right? And so let's just see what happens, all right? I want you to start counting the ten now. Say your name. All right, what happened when you said your name? What happened to your counting? All right, if you, if you think about it, your counting stopped. Why did your counting stop? Because no matter how hard you try, you could not think about two things simultaneously. So what the scripture is saying here in verse two is that when I become affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts, it will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly soul realm. How do I do that? I set my minds upon the things that are above and not upon the things that are below. So if I want to know how I can overcome earthly soul realm thoughts, it's because I fix my mind on things that are in heaven. I relocate myself mentally and I engage myself, my thoughts with throne room realities. You can't think about sin while simultaneously thinking about the word of God. However, you do get to choose which one you're going to focus on. And for many times, because we lack mindset management, many times because we lack and able, there is no sin you have to commit. But there's a lot of sins you choose to commit. Why? Because as a born again believer, you have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. It says, um, I'm going to mess it up. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. That's why we got internet. There has no temptation taking you, but such is coming to man. But God, who is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. In other words, God ain't set you up for failure, baby. Anything you encounter Sin-wise, you already have a way of escape. The question is, what are you affectionately acquainted with? What, what are you affectionately acquainted with? Is it throne room realities that's going to keep you distracted from the soul realm? Or are you affectionately acquainted with the soul? Are you affectionately acquainted with your flesh? Are you affectionately acquainted with boo? Are you affectionately acquainted with money? Are you affectionately acquainted with shopping and TV and TikTok? Are those the things that you are affectionately acquainted with? And there's nothing wrong with TikTok until God says something wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with TV until God says it's something wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with radio until God says it's something. Are you so affectionately acquainted with comparison that you try to compare yourself and do what others do instead of obeying God? Are you so affectionately acquainted with what it, the society, that the norms of society are the things that you govern yourself by instead of governing yourself by the words of God? What is, are you affectionately acquainted with? What are you fond of? Because if you're fond of the word of God and you fix your mind on throne room realities, the word says you won't be distracted again by earthly soul rule realm. That's why we must set our minds. Our, we got to manage our mindsets. That's our job. So what we got to understand is this, summarizing these two scriptures. We respond outwardly based on inward thoughts. We respond outwardly based on inward thoughts. We got to understand that our unseen thoughts will always produce a visible consequence. Your unseen thoughts will always produce a visible consequence. Everybody on the earth can see what I've been thinking most based on the life I live today. 
Baby, your thoughts are always showing up and showing out. They always are. Whatever's dominant. I mean, I think it's an old school saying, what's done in the dark <laughs> will come to the light. What's thought in the dark will come to the light. Why? Because my unseen thoughts will always produce a seen reality. I like that, Pastor John. My unseen thoughts will always produce a seen reality. So it doesn't matter how. See, you can hide your thoughts from everybody, but you, everybody going to see the consequences of them. See, everybody can't, don't know you depressed, but we see the consequences of it. Your body's showing us. You sick. Your, your emotions showing us. You, the way you drooping, the way you going around. See, see, your body is always giving you an indicator of what your thoughts are. See, there's nothing you can hide forever. There's always fruit. There's always fruit. So, and, and I like this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says it this way. Sow a thought and you reap an action. You sow an act and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. So at the beginning of it, every thought you have is putting in motion to something that's becoming your destiny. So what kind of thinking am I doing today? And is that thinking I'm doing today going to produce the destiny that I want later? And we don't have time to go back and talk about it. But, you know, there was about seven questions that you got to ask yourself. And one of those questions is this. The first question. Where will these thoughts lead me? If I continue to think just like I'm thinking today, where will it lead me? There have been a lot of divorces uh, in marriages, not because the marriage wasn't recon couldn't be reconciled, but simply that they had a thought about divorce that they chose to keep. And what happens is it doesn't matter how much work you try to do to fix something. If you don't take divorce off the table, then it's always going to produce a result for you. Why? Because those unseen thoughts will produce seen realities. They will produce seen realities. So what we got to understand is that God is good and that he has ultimate control. All right. God is good and he has ultimate control. Let me go back. Managing our mindset is so important because nothing we do is done in a vacuum of our life. The more I spend time thinking about anything ungodly, the more likely I'm going to see it in a seen reality. That's why we got to make sure that we manage our reality. That's why we got to make sure that we go back and, 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 and you got to check yourself like like you got to check yourself. You're like, why do I keep having a thought about poverty? Why do I keep having a thought about death? Why do I keep having a thought about X? If it doesn't remember the whole part, the whole thing, you receive a thought, you analyze that thought. OK, where is this thought going coming from? The Lord didn't say I was poor. The Lord didn't say I was broke. The Lord didn't say I was sick. The Lord didn't say uh, this about me. The Lord didn't say that. And if the Lord didn't say that, let me do step three. Do I reject or accept this? I need to reject this thought because this doesn't line up with the word. But anytime you reject the thought, there leaves a space there for a new thought. So I have to now replace it. I got to replace it. What do I replace it with? I replace it with the word of God. So here's a thought. I'm going to be broke or you're going to die. That's a fleeting thought that comes through your mind. You receive it, right? And we know people aren't, you don't become every thought you receive. I mean, I've had thoughts just, I mean, when I used to play, I, I, I taught about this one time in college, I used to play this game. I think it's called Grand Theft Auto. And in Grand Theft Auto, Part of the money you got, you'll be doing something, you'll run over people and get points for it. And so I just be out of my real car driving is like, hey, hit them, you get 50 points for it. The devil is a lie. And in a moment, I received a thought, I analyzed it, I rejected it, and, and I with the word of God. The devil is a lie. Why? Because before whether you realize it or not, you're doing those things simultaneously. They're happening so quick. And that's why you get a bill in the mail. And the first thought is, I can't pay it. 
and you, you analyze it. Before you realize it, you have analyzed it, you have accepted it, and, outside, and out of your mouth you have replayed that I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. And so you got to slow down your thought process. Before it comes out of your mouth, you got to spend some time in analysis, and you got to spend some time in accepting and rejecting. Because once you hit, uh, once you hit that replay button, as a born again, as a person in this earth, the Bible says in Genesis 26 that he created man in his image and he has given us power and authority and that we are gods in this earth. And so what happened is as a God in this earth, when I speak a thing, it shows up. And the thing so powerful about that, whatever my faith is, is my faith in God, then I see godly results. But if my faith is in the earth, I see earthly results. So if I believe I'm broke, I'm going to be broke. Why? Because I've, I've received the thought, I analyzed it, I accepted it to be true, and I replayed it with my mouth. And in my heart, I believed it. And so what's coming out of my mouth is what I believe in abundance. And so we have to be careful with our thought process. You got to be careful when you're applying for them jobs and they're asking for all of these different things. And then you begin to like, oh, and you're like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't have all them skills. I don't know what to do. You better hit the pause button. It doesn't matter if you don't, Holy Spirit does. And so am I going to be fixed mindset or I'm going to be growth mindset? All right. You got to make that decision. All right. So let's keep moving. All right, we're 39 minutes in. Let's keep moving. It says, we got to understand that God is God. He has ultimate control. You can run over to Psalms 24 and 1 and read about that. It says, but he doesn't take control in the earth of the earth because he's given it to man. And so I'm going to say something and it's going to sound crazy, right? But it's going to be true. God is in ultimate control, but he doesn't all he doesn't take control because he is giving over the control, the management of earth to us as children of God. And so that's important to know. And let me tell you, and go, go to Psalms 115 and 16. It says the earth has he given to the children of God. You can go to Genesis 26 and he can talk to how he created Adam and he told Adam to manage the earth and all that, right? We are management. I've taught a message. We are regents in this earth. God has called us to do that. So don't come for me on that. All right. God is in control, but he has handed over the management of earth to human beings. He has made us managers. He doesn't take control because it is not his real will to have robots. God, God could have control of everything and make us do. He doesn't make us do because he wants us to accept him out of his, the love he's shown towards us. He wants us to enable him to be able to be invited into our hearts. He wants us to invite him into our lives and situations to take control. So though God is in control, he doesn't take control unless we invite him in to do so. And so why do we see stuff in the earth? Because we have free will. Man has not been a good manager. Think about it. Adam subjected himself and his management of the earth to sin. Adam was in the earth. It was his job to control the earth. It was his job to stump the the head of the enemy. It was his job to operate in authority. Adam abdicated his management over for the pleasure of sin. He wanted to eat the apple that his wife ate, right? And so, so many of us, because we lack management of our minds, we have then given over that management to the enemy. Know this, somebody's always managing your mind. It's either going to be you or the enemy. Whether it's going to be God, you or the, you're going to, you're going to, let me rephrase that. You're going to always choose a manager. Either you're going to align with the things of heaven or you're going to align with the things of the earth or the soul realm. You're going to always choose a manager. And so it isn't that Satan is so powerful. It's that we have given him so much uh, power in the management of our minds. That's the problem. So we got to understand that God, though he's in control, he can't take control without an invitation from us. So we got to take our role as managers and enable Holy Spirit so that we may be able to operate in what God has called us to operate in. 
And so that's that's really important because if you don't understand that, you'll begin blaming God for the way your life is. And God, it ain't God's fault. I mean, think about it. If God controlled everything, there would be no sickness. There would be no death. There would be no lack. There would be no anything. The earth is ours. And anything that we see in the earth that doesn't look good, it's not because God's not capable. He just hasn't been invited in to every area he needs to take control of it. But the moment I invite him in, it's like, think about this. If I have an issue with rodents in my house, right? There are companies out there with the ability to terminate all the rodents in my house. But unless I call them up, and give them an, and when they show up to my door and knock, I give them an invitation to enter, then they won't be able to do their job. That's like Holy Spirit. He has the power to control the situation that you're experiencing, baby. He has the power to fix it. He is the perfect solution. But you haven't called on him and invited him into the situation so he can control it. So though he does have control, he doesn't have an invitation. And see, that's what happens when you run to God for eternal salvation, but you don't want to live like nothing. So you're going to experience hell on every day of the earth because you haven't invited the one in who has control. You haven't invited the one in that can fix it. And see, sometimes when you invite people in, you got to get out their way. See, when the Terminator comes in, to I got a guy, he's called the Bug Man. And every quarter he comes in and just sprays my house because we have ants and stuff like that, little spiders. And so when he comes, guess what I do? I get out the way. If he say, Ralph, I need to get in the closet, open the door for me. I open the door. If he says, Ralph, I need to go under the cabinets. Can you move your stuff out the way? I, I move the stuff out of the way. And see, that's how our relationship with the Holy Spirit is supposed to be. It's supposed to be an invitation into our life to bring a solution to a problem that we are not capable of fixing. And while he's there, we're supposed to do what he asks us to do. It's Ralph, go apply for this job over here. You may not know why he's asking you to do it, but anything the Holy Spirit asks you to do is only for you to have a solution to the problem you may face, the problem you are facing, right? That's the only purpose. He's trying to help, but without an invitation, he can't do his job. Verse three, Colossians, uh, Colossians three, verse three. It says, your union with the death, with his death, broke the association with the world. See yourselves, and I taught. We taught a whole message on 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 with uh, I say Wednesday on refresh about imagination. See yourselves located in a fortress where your life is hidden with Christ in God. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you and me, and I and you. It says, occupy your mind. Uh oh, here's another thing I got to do. All right, I've relocated myself. That was Colossians uh, 1. I've engaged my with thrown realities. I see myself located in a fortress. I occupy my mind with this new order of life. It says, you died when Jesus died. Whatever defined you before, hallelujah, does not define you no more. Hallelujah. It's broken, baby. Whatever defined you before, defines you no more. Christ in whom the fullness of deity dwells defines you now. I am defined by Christ. I ain't the old boy that I used to be. I'm that new. The Bible says uh, once you're born again, right, you, you become a new creature. I'm defined by something new. I'm defined by Christ. I was co-seated with him in, in heaven. I, I am I'm raised with him. I occupy my mind with this new order of life. What we got to understand is that we have a way of escape if we choose to manage our mindsets. We got to occupy our mind with the new order of life. You died when Jesus died. There's no sin that's overcome you. You died when Jesus died. Jesus took care of every sin. He took care of every circumstance. He took care of every sickness. You died when Jesus died. So whatever defined you before 
won't define you no more. So sin can't have uh, authority over you unless you pick it up and give it authority. Unless you give it authority. Unless you invite it in. God of this, the God of this world blinds the mind of the believer, unbeliever. Uh, I put the scripture re reference, but the God of this world blinds the mind of the unbeliever. That is why we must occupy our minds with the new order of life. So the Bible says that the, 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 the God of this world will blind the mind of the unbeliever. So those that are, are not believers, they are not capable of seeing themselves co-seated with Christ. They're not capable of redefining themselves to understand that what defined them before don't define them anymore. They can't occupy their mind with throne room realities. Why? Because they're blinded, their mindset, their mind, their images, they'll think their thoughts are blinded by the God of this world. Now check out 2 Corinthians 11 and 3 though for the believer. This was, this is about the believer. 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. So the unbeliever, they just blind. But those believer, that's you, that's me, that's everybody that's born again. It says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds, you and I, may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Unbelievers are blind, but believers are deceived. That word deceived means to call someone to believe something that is not true. <clears throat> Typically, in order to gain some personal advantage. So as a born, and I'm going to speak to the believers. If, you born, if, you, if you're an unbeliever, you got to accept Christ. Everything we talked about tonight. If you want the power, you want the authority, you want to occupy your mind, you want to be redefined, you want to establish the throne of realities and see yourself co-seated with Christ, you got to get born again. You got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You got to believe that Christ, God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved, all right? You got to do that part. Now, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the believer. I'm talking to the believers tonight. Believers, it says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So you can be saved you can be saved, but you can be deceived. And, 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 and this is where we're going to end tonight uh, because I want to talk about I want to I talk about how you can be born again. If you don't manage your mindset, you can be a fully born again believer who is deceived into some untruths and your life don't look like nothing. It doesn't look like the 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 it doesn't look like you're experiencing the salvation that's available to you at this moment, right? You, so we don't want to be deceived because when we become deceived, we don't, we're not able to inherit the plans that God has for us. And so that's what we got to understand that the enemy is consistently trying to deceive us, to gain advantage of us, to become the manager of our mindset so that we may abdicate our responsibility to manage the earth. We may surrender it to him and then he causes chaos through us. You heard what I said. He causes chaos through us. So the, the same way that God works through man, the enemy works through man. And so the question is, where will your mindset be and who will you surrender to? Where will your mindset be and who will you surrender to? What will you manage? Will you manage the things of God or will you manage the things of this world? It says, if, if he can deceive you, he can control your outcomes by controlling your mind. So the enemy really has no more power than that which you give him. He controls your outcomes by controlling your mind. So if I give him leeway and I accept his truth to be will, to, to be real, and his truth to be the thing that's going to define me, then I see myself as a sinner. I see myself condemned. I see myself owing 
uh, uh, repentance for my sin. I see myself that way because I don't understand that I've been, though I'm a born again believer, though I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and as my personal savior, I have been deceived into thinking that my sins are not, or my sins are still things that I must pay for. I begin to think that I am a sinner, right? Saved by grace. That's not what the word says. Tradition will have you, this tradition will deceive you. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God. That's who you are. But through religion, through church practice, through just misconception, you could be deceived into thinking that you are still a sinner when honestly you're the righteousness of God. And so we always got to challenge anything that we think. We always got to line it up with the word of God. And, and I'm going to say something, and, and I don't mean it to be offensive uh, in any way. And, but here's the thing. Trauma doesn't make you who you are. Because Pastor Sean said something, we were talking the other day, and she said something, and it just stuck with me. And I was like, she right. Trauma doesn't matter. I, I don't, I don't want to be rude, and I don't want to be uh, insensitive to anybody that's experienced any kind of trauma or, or, or anything in your life. But trauma doesn't make you broken. If it did, everybody that experienced trauma would be broken. But everybody who's experienced trauma ain't broken. So trauma itself is not the indication that you must be broken. It's how the person processes the trauma in their mindset that causes them to have an unseen thought and it, that produces a seen reality. Everybody that was sexually abused do not have the same issues because the trauma itself doesn't cause you to become who you are today. It's how you processed it and how you deal with it. Trauma is what happened. It's not who you are. That's good, Pastor Evan. Trauma is what happened. It's not who you are. And so, like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not minimizing your trauma. But what I am saying is there is deliverance from it. What I am saying is that you don't got to keep carrying that weight. What I am saying is there is breakthrough, there is freedom for you. I am saying that you can, you, what the enemy will deceive you to believe is that you got to hold on to that trauma because it's protection. Because if you don't, if you don't hold on to that, then somebody else may do it again. He will deceive you into holding on to memories. He'll deceive you into holding on to thoughts. He'll deceive you into thinking you're protecting yourself and all you're ever doing is actually injuring yourself because there is freedom in Christ, but there is damaging damnation and, and, and sickness by holding on to something that's no good. But the problem is you have not occupied your mind with throne room realities. You have not seen yourself co-seated with Christ. You have not. Christ took on all the trauma of rape victims. Christ took on all the trauma of those that are sexually abused. Christ took on all the trauma of those who are emotionally abused and those who, who were uh, neglected and left. Christ, Christ took on all the burden of all that trauma. Baby, you can be free and freedom is available if you choose to take it. But you got to invite the Holy Spirit in. He's not going to come make you free. You got to take freedom. You got to call them up and say, Holy Ghost, I'm tired of, of feeling this way. I invite you into my life to take this away. I've been duped. I've been deceived. I don't want, I don't got to, I don't got to carry this this more. I'm telling you, if you didn't know, you know now, you don't got to carry that weight anymore. God wants to carry that for you. You don't got to carry poverty anymore. God wants to carry, you, you've been deceived into thinking that poverty is for everybody. Poverty is not for the believer. That's a lie. You don't got to be broke. You don't got to have more month than you have money. But being overweight, being sick, being unhealthy, being unhappy, those are not things you got to deal with. You've been deceived. 
Just because the Bible says that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Just because depression exists doesn't mean I got to have it. Just because poverty exists doesn't mean I got to have it. Just because other people have terrible tooth, their toddlers have terrible tooth, doesn't mean that we have to have it. We have been deceived into thinking because we live in a world that we are now subject to everything that happens in this world. But as a born again believer, baby, you are not subject to anything in this world, but you got to release the deceptions and accept the life that God has planned for you. Because you got, and you do it by managing your mindset. You got to, you got to be free. You got to let those things go. Freedom is available tonight. Freedom is available tonight at this moment. Freedom's available at any time you desire to take it. Free. You've been deceived and thinking that you ain't all that. If God created you, baby, you are all that. You are intelligent. You are wise. You have the solutions. You're a great manager. You're, you're, you're a great leader. You, I mean, you, you, you are great. The problem is you, the problem is your mindset is a thing. It's not that the potential, as a born-again believer, the potential is there because you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But potential energy is not effective energy because effective energy has to be put into action and it has to be kinetic. Kinetic energy is what moves things. So you can have potential all day. A rock sitting on the edge of a cliff has potential energy to rearrange some things. But as long as it sits on the edge of that cliff, then everything below that cliff is safe. But any time that rock is pushed over and it begins to roll down that cliff and it begins to pick up speed, then it's going to rearrange some things, anything it comes into contact with. Why? Because what was once potential that was then mixed with gravity and force then caused a kinetic energy that rearranges things. So the potential is this, that God says that I have a plan that I have for you to give you a hope and a future. The potential is this, that I've given you the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so we make it kinetic by exercising our faith and saying, I, God, I believe that everything you said about me is true. God, if you said go right, I go right. Every act of faith brings potential into kinetic and it causes a rearranging of what you see in the earth. Why? Because your brain, your mindset has seen something different. Because why? Because what we realize that faith is the evidence of things unseen, right? Faith is the evidence. So by I see it in my reality. I don't got to live in the house in the physical before I live in the house here. Why? Because the moment I begin, the moment I get a word from God, it establishes faith. The moment I believe that what God said about me is true and I attach my belief to that thing, then I produce its kinetic. In the earth begins to have actions that will produce the very thing that God told me that I could have. Why? Because his favor is going before me. Why? Because when I'm in faith, I can expect a plan of action. I can expect favor. I can expect a miracle. All right. I can expect strength to endure the change comes. There's some things I can expect when I'm in faith. Why? Because faith is an invitation for God to get involved. Faith is the invitation for Holy Spirit to do what he's designed to do. Faith is the invitation. So without faith, there would never be an invitation for God to control the thing. Why? Because though he's able to control it, he has no invitation to get involved. See, see, that's how it is with, with police. If you got an unruly situation, right, and you need order, right, and let's say our police were perfect, right? You call them, they respond to everybody the same way, all right? And so they come, and, and, and once they're invited, they come and they extinguish the problem, right? But they can't show up without your invitation. They don't all, they can't show up without your invitation. So we got to give Holy Spirit an invitation. So you know what? We're at an hour, so I'm not even going to jump into that. All right. Uh, I'm not even going to jump to that. That wasn't my stopping point, but I'm not going to jump into that. Um, but we we got to we got to give God an invitation. 
We can't be deceived into thinking that just because I'm born again, that that's saying the prayer of salvation is just the beginning, has sealed eternal life. But if we want to enjoy the fullness of what God has promised, it's going to take us doing, it's going to take us living like something. It's going to take us, uh, we're going to have to suppress truth with wickedness. I mean, we're going to suppress wickedness with truth. Sorry, I said that wrong. We're going to suppress truth with wickedness. All right. We're going to have to uh, uh, understand that everything I hear, if I can't find it in the word, then I won't be deceived by that. I won't be deceived because going to church, every church you go to it isn't preaching the word of God. So you can't be deceived by things that don't line up with the word. I got to suppress wickedness with the truth. I got to willfully. I mean, when you are deceived, this is what you do. You willfully reject God when you're deceived. You will, and I'll go over these in detail next week, but you will willfully reject God. So these are five ways you know that you're being deceived. Number one, you suppress the truth with wickedness. Number two, you willfully reject God. Number three, you offer re, your offering is redirected, offering redirected worship. You exchange God's truth for a lie. That's what you do. Number four. You have no limits or restrictions on sinful behavior. And I know we can't even touch that because we, I mean, you you don't care. You got a reprobate mind. Yeah, you just out there. Number five, you demonstrate no desire for change. Romans 1 and 32 says it this way: although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So not only are you demonstrating no desire for change, by calling yourself a born-again believer, you're encouraging others who say they want to be like Christ to be like, oh, Johnny like Christ, and he out there doing whatever he feels like it. So if that's what living for Jesus looked like, then I, I live for that. And the church has watered down what, what righteous living looks like. We have made it comfortable for people. Why? Because that's the whole purpose of deceiving the, the believers. You remember, that's what the word says, 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. It says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunningness, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere. It's his, look at God. This is his love. He says, you're not even, it's not that you're not sincere. It's not that you're not devoted. You've been deceived into thinking it's okay. You've been deceived into thinking that, hey, you know what? I was once married. Now I'm divorced and I'm 40 and I still got that tingling and I need to run out and satisfy these feelings I got. Well, got to understand. No, you deceived. You've been deceived. That is not what the word says. You've been deceived. And when we got pastors and churches and people uh, embracing that way of thinking, what it does, it causes people to be deceived. And then we lead others into that deception. And now we got a whole issue because there was never a true standard for living that was carried out by those who said they love God. Because next week we'll talk about the difference between love and lust. And the way that you know that you don't love God is because a lot of times you got to have it right now. Yeah, run from deception, run from deception. But we're at an hour. I'm not. We're at our hour. Let's go ahead and make our confessions at the end for tonight. Here's here's one of your confessions. I want you to make. It says I refuse to think lesser of myself than what Christ has, than what Christ thinks of me. I refuse to think lesser of myself than what Christ thinks of me. And you know Christ thinks of you highly because I'm telling you, I mean, that brother died for us. He saw all of our sin, but he saw the end picture. He saw all of our weakness, but he saw the end picture. And he saw, he said, you know what? Chris worth dying for. April's worth dying for. Everett's worth dying for. So I see myself. I refuse to think lesser of myself than what Christ thinks of me. All right. And then here's my prayer. I pray that we fully comprehend his death and resurrection, my death and resurrection with Christ. Oh, I'll put it up there. I choose to relocate my mind to align with the kingdom by dwelling on throne room realities. And I choose to flush ungodly thoughts with the truth of God. I own the responsibility of managing my mind. 
I own the responsibility of managing our mind. I choose to flush ungodly thoughts with the truth of God, and I own the responsibility of managing my mind. I cannot abdicate that responsibility to any other person that walks this earth. I cannot abdicate that responsibility to Holy Spirit. I have to own the responsibility of managing my mind. It is my job to make sure that I do the things that talks about in Second Colossians. I mean, Colossians three. I have the responsibility of relocating myself mentally. I have the responsibility of engaging my thoughts with throne reality. Throne room realities. I have the responsibility of seeing myself located in the fortress where, where my life is hidden in Christ Jesus. I have the responsibility of occupying my mind with this new order of life that I have died when Jesus died. I have the responsibility of defining uh, myself, not being defined by what was before, but be, being defined by Christ. Those are all my responsibilities. I have the responsibility of not being deceived by the enemy. And how do I do that? I do that by flushing those thoughts with throne room realities. And so that's the word for the night. We'll come back next week. We'll continue this teaching um, and, and on managing our mindset and, and continue to just be enlightened so that we may become more like Christ. Because the more we look like God, the more we look like something. We all, I mean, we ought to live like something. The more we live like something and look like the Holy, uh, look like the kingdom, the more power we'll operate in so that those that may encounter us will encounter the God and that their lives may be changed. Because here's the thing that I, I have to ask myself, and, and Pastor Sean says it all the time, and I had to be true to myself. Uh, uh, and, I, and, and I just said, God, I want to please you more than anybody else. And I had to be honest with myself. There were some areas in my life that I want to please me a little more, or I want to please some other people a little more. But but when you really truly want to live to please God more than anything and everybody else, it is it it'll change how you live. Like it it'll change like you live. And and I, I'm gonna keep saying it. You don't hear me say it all. You gotta you gotta live like something. It 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 it, it you gotta live like something. We supposed to look like Christ. We are saved. Uh, but we are being saved and we will manifest the goodness of God in our lives and people will be blessed through us because we choose to live like something. All right. And so part of living like something is flushing away thoughts. How do I flush away with those thoughts? I show up for service. So I'm here Friday at 6.30 a.m. for Champion Circles prayer. Why? Because prayer changes things. When I am praying, that is something done that is unseen that will bring me seen realities. Your life right now is the sum total of what you have prayed for, right? And what you believe in for. So I got to pray. I got to spend 60 minutes a day praying in the Holy Spirit. I got to pray in tongues. I got to pray in English. I pray for others. I pray for myself. That was part of our, our commitment. I don't miss a service. Why? Because by not missing a service, uh, I'm able to have the words of God rehearsed, replayed in my ear. And I got to say them, confess them with myself so I can hear them with my inner ear, right? I read my word daily so I know what the mind of Christ is so I can think that way. I take communion uh, and those are things that we've been asked to do. And so I got to do those things, all right? Uh, and then on Sunday, you come back for uh, Sunday celebration. I mean, praise and worship with Pastor Chris and Elder Valley, right? Uh, why? Because they're teaching us how to enter into worship and, and to praise God. And that shouldn't be the only time you worship uh, during the week. If it is, it's okay. Just repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And start worshiping God every day. Wake up showing God that you're grateful. But the best worship to offer God is your obedience. Absolutely, hands down. Offer him your obedience and you will always get the, that's the best worship that he could ever receive. And then you come at 930 and you hear Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean as they teach the word of God. All right. And so why? Don't miss the service. If you missed the live, just catch the replay. On Mondays, you got Sunday. I mean, on Mondays, you got uh, Strategies with Success with Pastor Sean on her personal uh, and professional pages. And then on Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month, we have uh, Relationships 101. The next one will be March 7th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Make sure that you go to their page. You click on the event. You click going so that you can get all the alerts and everything like that. Also, make sure you follow, like, and love, love their page and go to the dots to set your notifications to all. So anytime they make a post or they go live or anything like that, that you catch that. And then, of course, Wednesday is our triple header. We uh, have... Uh, 
Wednesday night prayer at seven for one of our awesome team members from our intercessory prayer team. And then we have Ignite at 715. And then, of course, Victory Zone is on demand. And I tell y'all, y'all need to get your kids over there. Uh, me and Aiden right now, we're, we're going back and we're having to do a replay of that whole chill series. because uh, His chill game ain't so great right now. So uh, we got to go back and we got to keep putting the word on it. You got to keep digging for gold. Even when your kids do stuff and it doesn't look like what you know God has called them to be, it doesn't look like the care of God. Don't yell out y'all bad or that's how you are. You just like your daddy. Now, if they daddy good, you can say that. And we praise the Lord and FOC, we got some real good daddies. But there ain't way how to. So you got to dig for gold and you got to point your kids back to the word of God. And so that grows them up. And then, of course, on Wednesday night at 8, we'll be back here for the Fresh Bible Study. All right. Now, at FOC, we have 100% tithers. And we're very proud of that. You're like, well, is that true? Well, that's our confession. That's what we believe. We will not be deceived into thinking that people just come want to come to church and not give. We will not be deceived into thinking that. We believe that every partner at FOC wants to give. Why? They love God and they want to give back to God what God has given to them. They're good stewards over the seed that God has provided for them to watch over. And they understand that the tithe causes many blessings to show up in their life. The tithe protects you. The tithe opens up the windows of heaven for you. The tithe connects you to God's most holy. So the tithe does a whole lot of stuff. And our people, we tithe. We're a tithing church. And we do that through give a five, push, pay, tithe, text to give. And then our international partners give through PayPal at focchurchnwa at gmail.com. All right. And so those are all the announcements for tonight. I want you guys to have a very blessed rest of the week. Stay in your word, stay prayed up, and don't be deceived by the tricks of the enemy. You receive the thought, you analyze the thought, you determine if it lines up with the word. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, you reject it and you replace it with something from the word. If it lines up with the word of God, you confess what the word says about your life and you become what the word has already said you could be. All right. Love you guys. Be blessed. Have an awesome night. Bye.